You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 167, covering Blood Oath and the Maquis Part 1 with Kevin Lynch. Hello, friends. We're back. And Flonk's here this time. Hi, Flonk. Sup, fools? It was, it was your turn. So yeah. Did you? Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, did you pick this one for a reason? But yes, I know your reason. Um, it's, it's well, I I'm like you guys, where I I know the episodes, but I don't really know the titles very well. Right. Sure. And when I saw Blood Oath, I'm like, well, if this isn't the episode that I'm thinking of, it's probably gonna be pretty good anyway. It's probably yeah. some other Klingon related thing. I mean, what yeah. else could it possibly be if it's called Blood Oath, but a Klingon episode? Well, it, it, and unfortunately, it's not about your favorite Klingon chef. Alas, no, he's gone now. Yeah, he does get name checked though. Yeah, that's that's yep. true. <laughs> in the negative. Wow. Those guys didn't know what they were talking about. That old, guy's amazing. The old Klingon dude ranting about how Klingon culture has fallen and uh, we've allowed ourselves to get fat and sing to people in restaurants. If there's one thing I don't want the Klingon people doing, it's making Matt laugh. <laughs> it's oddly specific. Well, you know, the uh, they have a, they have a policy against that. Today is not a good day for Matt to laugh. <laughs> I would have made that my quote if this had been my episode, but unfortunately it wasn't. Nope, you got the maquis. I did. <laughs> Lucky. Lucky old me. Lucky maquis. Oh. Yeah, I, I, in my no head that was funnier because I spelled Lucky L-U-Q-I-S. Lucky. No. Yes. Flonk. Yo. Why don't you <laughs> tell us what happened in Blood Oath? All right, well, strap in, cause, kids, because there is a lot of plot to get through. Yeah, there is. Our story begins with Quark locked out of his hollow suites. A, drink, a drunk Klingon has been in there for hours. Quark has called Odo to deal with this because Quark is not stupid. He doesn't want to be staring down the batleth of a Klingon with warrior blue balls. The door is open to reveal Kor, son of Raynar, last son of the House of Kor, descendant of Kalis the Unforgettable, Daha, master of the Klingon Empire. Odo takes him back to security to sleep it off. The next morning, he gets a visit from Koloth, son of Kavek, head of the House of Kovak, ambassador to the Federation, king in the north, Dahar, master of the Empire. <laughs> they whip their honor out and argue over who's more glorious, and Koloth storms out before bailing his friend out, telling Odo to just throw him out with all the other garbage. <laughs> Odo heads up to Ops to bitch about all this to Kira, and Dax overhears them and gets all excited, because apparently Curzon Dax used to pal around with all the Klingon heroes back in the day, and now Jadzia Dax wants to go and uh, hang out with their old buddies. They meet up with the last member of the group, Kang, son of... you get the idea. Kang has organized this shindig because he tracked down the vicious criminal known only as the Albino. 81 years ago, after the Albino killed the children of the Klingons, Kor, Koloth, Kang, and Curzon swore a blood oath to get vengeance. Jadzia, being neither Klingon nor Curzon, is under no obligation to join them, but she wants to all the same. Kor is down, Koloth takes some convincing, and since he's a Klingon, that means sword fight. Kang, however, is not so easily swayed, eventually agreeing to just to get her to shut up about it. And so everyone loads into Kang's Great Bird of the Galaxy and warps <laughs> off for some that was part of that one too. And warps off for some delicious vengeance. The plan is a simple one. Storm the front gates, take them by uh, storm the front gates, take them by surprise, and anyone left will just quiver in awe of their might. The Klingons like this because it is, after all, a good day to die. Dax, being human-ish, isn't quite so sure. She confronts Kang with her misgivings and discovers, plot twist! The albino knows they're coming, and this is a suicide mission. Kang, knowing that there was no way to win, worked out a deal with the albino that gets honor and stokovor for all of his friends. But luckily, Dax is able to science a way up to take out the guard's energy weapons, giving the, the advantage to the Klingons. After beaming down, they discover to no one's surprise that the albino had no intention of keeping his end of the deal, and it's on like Rathacon. <laughs> The Klingons assault the compound and take the fight right to the albino's throne room, I guess? Koloth is killed in the fight, but Kang manages to make his way to the albino before getting stabbed himself. Dax is able to distract the albino long enough for Kang, with his dying breath, to plunge the knife straight into the albino's heart! Well, not quite, but I'm sure that's how Kor tells it. Their vengeance served, Dax returns to the station where, despite the fact that she abandoned her duties to go kill a guy, she doesn't get into any trouble at all. <laughs> That may be the best variation of that phrase that I've heard now. Yeah, I'm gonna have to start using that. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. I got I gotta call you out on one nerd thing. You said King in the North, which is uh, Rob Stark. 
<laughs> ever. You're crossing streams. I made all, up some of their uh, all the rest some of, of their titles. Uh, some of it's made up. Some of it's uh, um, gone in memory alpha and just kind of. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I figured you were figured looking at who they were the son of and, and Kang, and all son that. of Chad. <laughs> Chad Vader? Yeah, Chad Vader. You're crossing the streams again. That, I'm allowed to cross the streams. Well, that's true. Plus, Egon's not around to tell us not to anymore. So. Oh, why would you say Aww. that to me? Well, I wasn't trying to make you sad. I was trying to make light of it. I'm sad now. Death is funny, you see. Oh. Come on, There's Dax. There's plenty of it in this. Oh. Dax just has a casual conversation with Kira. Hey, you ever kill a guy? Like, oh, my God. That was... Oh. <laughs> I, I w- you're not far off on that one. No. Kira, you ever kill anybody? Or no no, Kira, how many people, how many did, you people kill? did you kill back in the resistance? Right. Excuse me? Yeah. So I just I I, that I was... never cut I never I never counted, but you did, and I love you for it. <laughs> I figured that that was the precedent and we were just sort of openly talking about death, but uh, oh. apparently not. This was this was fantastic. This, this was, is a great yeah, fucking a episode. Lot of fun. It's it's nice to see the show confident enough in its own voice that they can start using stuff from the original series. Yeah, so, like, just in case no one's aware, because they don't ever actually come out and say it, all three of these Klingons are, like, cla- like Klingons from the classic series. Right. Uh, I believe... Let me see if I can remember yeah, this. Yeah, um... Uh, Koloth's from uh, Trouble with Tribbles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kor is from... Or, what is it, Kang? It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they're all... Anyway. The three Klingons. Yeah. They're from uh, Aaron to Mercy and uh, Day of the Dove. Right. The Sort of the three big Klingon episodes from the original series. Yep. Strangely, that bald Klingon didn't come back. Gorkon? <laughs> or the... Or what's his name? Korax, the guy who calls the Enterprise garbage. Yep. He also <laughs> wasn't per- Perm Klingon. Right. Ah, uh, Perm Klingon. I remember it's Korax because he's got his X in his name, and that just sounds a little too extreme for me. Yes. I'm not, not usually extreme into the X. Extreme Korax. <laughs> Watch out, Captain Kirk. But I, I, my my bad thing sort of relates to them being from the original series, and this is this is hard to say because it's hard to articulate exactly what I mean. Because I don't care about the smooth forehead versus bumpy forehead thing. Like I don't care that it changed, and I don't care why it changed. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we should have been able to recognize these guys somehow. That's true. And it, it felt like there was a missed opportunity. On the other hand, making them look like cheesy 60s Klingons probably wouldn't have worked either, so I'm not sure how you could fix that. Uh, the thing, what what I would like to have seen is a sort of combination of the two of them. Like maybe they're not quite like they're so not, pronounced like, as they're, modern they're, Klingons? They're, they're obviously different from most regular Klingons that we see. Right. But you know, maybe it's an updated, an updated version of the sort of classic Klingon look. Right. You know? I mean, it, it, I don't know. It's it, like I say, it's hard to explain because I don't. Yeah, I, I think it's fine. Like you know, they they obviously couldn't do the original version, no. and this is before the uh, the other nonsense later. Well, that, that so they just decided, later. all right, well, we'll just make them look like well yeah and the actors else. were all like we never put this stuff on before what the hell and they told the actors so uh this is this is because you've aged yeah <laughs> that, that doesn't really exchange that doesn't really explain alexander i mean not, you know, not so much yeah no. that's a good good attempt but uh i love that these three guys who probably i mean I, i'm guessing we're probably in their 60s at this point mm-hmm. were totally game for for sitting in the makeup chair for five hours and doing all this crazy physical stuff yeah and, swinging yeah. the swords around and everything the fact that they were so into it, you know, and yeah. just were all like, like it reminds me a lot of how they sort of went back and got uh, Mark Lennard uh-huh. for uh, like for uh, TNG. To play Sarek, yeah, a few times. That was great. And it's and it was just like, well, here's this guy who had like a really tiny role on the original series, but let's bring him back, and he does well, it's an a amazing significant job. role that we can that we can yeah. expand. Yeah, and the and the guy's a good enough actor that he can like yeah. bring some real. Uh, and the same with these guys. I never felt like I was watching a cheesy 60s TV actor, you know, because these guys all yeah. probably had like background in stage and they were uh-huh. probably all like super crazy over the top guys. But they all yeah. they all fit here. Yeah. And they well, first of all, that over the top thing kind of works for Clinton. Well, that's true. Yeah. But um, like they do such a great job of just, you know, getting in there. And and reading Memory Alpha, reading uh, quotes from the three actors, they were all like super excited and and they really wanted to live up to the characters yeah. and they didn't want to disappoint you know they wanted to, to keep the legacy you know intact and all that it was it was so cool reading them being into it and not just like yeah it was a paycheck whatever mm-hmm. although it was a paycheck well it was and you know one of them was doing yeah uh, i'm sure they weren't uh, hurting you know to uh, uh 
I don't think I want to do another job. Yeah. Nah. Well, one of them was doing cruise ship uh, conventions. Right. When they found him. So I'm sure that, you know, <laughs> it's nice to not have to sign, you know, 10,000 sweaty nerds pictures and actually do some acting. Yeah. Sorry, I was guesting on the love boat. <laughs> As a Klingon. Yeah, but it's, it's 1994 <laughs> by now. It's, uh... Oh, that was Love sorry, Boat was... 2 with Alf. Guess, oh, Guesting right. on the new Love Boat. Wait, what? With Alf? Yeah, Alf was one of the guest stars once. Uh, did they call it Love Boat 2? I'm sure they called the ship Love Boat 2. Or, like, the new Love Boat or something? I thought it was called the new Love Boat. I don't remember. I remember oh, no, you know what? It was on Love UPN, Boat. which doesn't exist yet. Right. I remember the relaunch of Fantasy Island, because that was, like, all... Supposed to be all sinister. Like, Malcolm McDowell took over for, uh... Ricardo Montalban. I'm not proud of this. I loved the new Fantasy Island. I, I just, it was very different than the original. I'm not, I'm not even, I didn't see it, so I couldn't say. But, uh, but you like Malcolm McDowell. So. I really like Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the new prisoner? Oh. <laughs> wait, was he, wait, was he in the new prisoner? No, that was with um, Ian McKellen and, um, and Jesus. Whatever the hell is it? Willem Dafoe? No, no, no um, Jesus. New Jesus. Um, extreme Jesus relaunched for a new generation. Jesus. <laughs> well, he already had that crown of thorns. That's pretty extreme to begin with. This was yeah. a crown of metal thorns. Oh, Speaking of metal, yeah, there's nothing more metal than Klingons. True. Storming yes. a castle with with their swords. It was pretty fucking dope, man. Leaving a leave, leaving a pile of corpses and just. I don't think there's ever been that many dead bodies. On there was easily camera. twenty dead bodies on the screen. At yeah, any they moment. killed the shit out of those guys, man. Yep, it was a pretty brutal fight too. Yeah, yeah. Well, the cool thing about this episode, though, is for the first thirty-five minutes, it's guys wow. talking in rooms. Like, there's only yep. action in the very last act. But it's it's structured so well that you're just you're you're totally ready for it by that point. Yep. And it's it, it was it was really nice. It was a nice blend of good character development stuff and you know action. Total badassery. Right. Which seriously, I like. when they come into the fucking castle and there's mm -hmm. just that shot of like the the four yeah of them they with do like the the out. smoke and the backlit yep. and they're all like holding their swords like ready for fight. Oh, it's so yeah, good. that is bad fucking ass, man. It is, and and I flunk this leads right into your good thing. But really, how great is it to see Dax, who we keep saying, no, trust us, she's a good character, she's a good character, like you know. Yes, so yeah. There's this new character, Jedzia Dax, mm -hmm. and she is great. Yeah, yeah she she's uh, I guess she's the new host for the Dax Simiot, and she's this fun badass. So much better than the lump that they had stuck Dax into before. Yeah. They're, they're, the Dax, like, previous Dax-centric episodes were her just sort of sitting in the background waiting to die. Mm -hmm. And just now seeing her, you know, like, take command and, and fight side by side with these guys. And just, yeah, uh, it's so yeah, You can see, like, I think this was the first Dax Klingon uh, episode, too. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I mean, we got some of her awesomeness last week. We did. That, that was sort of the one-two punch. These two episodes sort of set her right. Yeah. But this this one more than the other one, for sure. I think it's amazing that in two episodes they just completely turned the character around. Well, I, it feels like they knew who she was and they just hadn't written any episodes like that. Yeah. You know, you know, like, it feels think, like they had it on paper, they just didn't have it in, on, in episodes yet. I well, think a lot of it, too, was um, was similar to, to making Riker interesting, where they stopped writing for the character and started writing to Terry Farrell. That yeah. makes sense, because she definitely Because stuff I've strengths. seen with her in interviews and conventions and stuff, like, this is much more her yeah. speed. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, I like that they sort of realize, well, we have a character who technically has been around since before the years. original series. Yeah. That, that's an excellent tie to stuff in the original series. Well, and Flunk, one of your notes said that this was a nice way to sort of tie things to, mm. to Trek history without sort of bonking us over the head. Yeah, yeah, they did a whole, like, this is, uh, um, we're making uh, treaties and, and making peace with the Klingons, and it was with um, Koloth and Dax were the ones doing it. Right, Curzon was a was an ambassador back back yeah. in the day. Yeah, and so yeah, it was it was great to hear like yeah the the Kittimer stuff and all that happened, but the the first person to really make you know headway was was Dax, which mm -hmm. is which is nice. Yeah, and their whole history, the whole like the the way they sort of met and became involved with each other and got involved with each other's lives and all that it was it was just it it all sort of fit to me, mm -hmm. and it felt you know fantastic. And we had the story of sort of getting the band back together, and it didn't feel contrived at all it felt like yeah yeah i believe curzon like curzon's one of those great characters where we've never seen this guy we've never like you know seen any flashbacks or anything like that like we saw we saw him on his deathbed in the pilot and that was it yeah. and i still feel like i know him yeah absolutely yeah, yeah definitely because we he, meet all these characters that knew so... him before and yeah yeah 
he cast this huge shadow like yeah. over the series between between uh, Dax and uh, like between Jedzia and Cisco. Yep. And you definitely definitely get the impression too, like he was the 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 main Dax. Right. Like like all the other ones were just kind of like leading up to to him. <laughs> yep. And Jedzia, like we dealt with this a bit last week, where she really wants to get out of his shadow and and sort of live her own life. Yeah. But at the same time, wants to respect him. Right, while well, not actually liking him. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, you know, imagine being a young pretty girl around that guy. Ugh. Yeah. Probably not the most likable guy. Not, not so much. No. <laughs> I bet. I bet he called her toots. Yeah, quite possibly, <laughs> oh, or definitely. sweet tits, or you yeah. know, something horrible like that. Yep. So you want to? So you want to? You want a worm in you, huh? Uh-huh. Ugh. <laughs> horrible. So, Flunk, uh, what was your bad thing? Uh, it's along those same lines where they, uh, they, the trill customs and memories and all that stuff when you're dealing with their past lives, they don't really, um, they're not very consistent with that. And in this episode, it's particularly murky. See, I feel like, I feel like a lot of the episode was sort of dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Acknowledging that, yeah, I, I have no obligation to, to, you know, to stay with this thing. Everyone has let me off the hook for this, but I still feel like I need to. Right. I, my my thing was always that it's not it had nothing to do with the blood oath. It had everything to do with the fact that these guys killed her, like killed someone from her family. Yeah, but it was not her family. Like yeah, no, exactly. That's either. what I mean. Like they they make people. the last episode in particular, and then a bunch of stuff leading up to that, or the the stupid trial episode. They're making a big deal about how she's not Curzon. It's all completely different than this one. She's just her immediate response is to go and say hi to her old drinking buddy and go out and have an adventure. Mm-hmm. See, I don't know because she's still friends with Cisco. Like she doesn't see, the, completely the, the, sever all the time. Eh, it's that, different. That's He's her commanding officer, though. It's a little no, different. See, the thing is, like, as far as I can tell, like, when you get the symbiote, you take on like all of the memories of every memories. Of, like, yes, but but, but I think like, what Flum's trying to say of... is they're supposed to like distinguish themselves as a separate person. And yeah, and then this this also later there's it gets even weirder. I might be yeah. thinking about that a little too much too. That that could be. We definitely get more into the without spoiling any specific circumstances. We get into the aspects of are they allowed to get involved with people they were romantically involved with before? And it's, it's in a couple different episodes too. Right. That we're no, not and, and dealt with in very specific. different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. At the end of the day, I'm 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 fine with it. I feel like I prefer you, this method of it um, versus the the other the, the you, way they've been think, doing it. You think they should embrace their past and not? Yeah. Go yeah. have fun. Go see your old Klingon buddies. Yeah. See, I feel like I feel like it's it's subject to interpretation. I don't feel like it's a solid rule that says you can't associate with anyone from your past. Wow. I feel like it's just kind of their, you know, up to their judgment call. And also, I do think the Blood Oath had something to do with it. I think that's a very serious thing. Yeah, that, I, th- I think the Blood Oath has a lot to do with it. Yeah. And I think Dax, the worm, still feels an obligation to, you know, mm. to that commitment. Yeah. So, I don't know. It it was cool seeing the three of the three Klingons like reacting to her in different ways. Like the first yeah. dude just sort of totally accepts, like, "Oh, you're a pretty girl." Now that's cool. <laughs> Dax, you look yeah. different. Yeah. Good but different. Did you get a haircut? And then the, the and next, these beer goggles work really well. The next one is like, "Well, I don't know. I'm skeptical, but I guess you're okay." And the third one was like, "No, we're not bringing a, a little girl with us. No." And it's it's nice just the varying degrees of, yeah. of acceptance of that. Which was cool. I, I mean, I like... And was playing with it with the whole uh, personalities that they had established with three of them, too, which were three, all very Klingon, but all very different from each other. Yeah, yes. which is nice, because the only Klingon we've really gotten to know at this point is Worf. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to spend some time with three very different Klingons to see, yeah, they are a more nuanced culture. There are different kinds of Klingons. Which so was very cool. Kinds. And I, I can't really tell if they base their characterizations on stuff from the original series, because I, I just... I it's been, remember. like, what, two years since... Yeah, and you know, like characterization was never that serious strong. No, thing. not for the villains. No. They were just bad guys. Yeah, they were probably just yeah. bad guys with you know with a few little nuances here and there. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't stop thinking of the one guy as Trelane because he also played Trelane. Yes, and then the other guy definitely has a Freeze. Trelane face. Yeah, well, and he's got a he's got a very distinct. They, the two of them have very distinctive voices. Like the one they guy do. doesn't, but the one guy that that was also Trelane has just sort of a gruff. Are you challenging like, you know. me to a duel? <laughs> Well, it's sort of a gruff, this kind of a thing. Well, and then, and then, of course, the guy who played Mister Freeze, uh, Michael Ansara, 
Yeah, as soon as you said that, it's like, of course he played Mr. Freeze. He sounds just like him. I just spent the episode like, man, this guy has an amazing voice. Nora. Nora. It is, it is, it is a fantastic voice. Like, the first time I realized that the guy on Batman wasn't, they weren't using any modulation, that his voice just sounds that cool naturally. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's fantastic. I would weep if I had tears to shed. But all three of them were great. And that voice just gives him so much authority over the other two. Yeah, and they made him, like, the lead guy, which, you know, he had to be. It's a good thing that he had that voice, because he also had the poofiest hair imaginable. (laughs) That's true. It's, it's sort of the boy named Sue thing. Like, you're not going to challenge him because he's such a badass. Like, yeah. you know, you just, you're just going to let him be, you're going to let him look like that. That's, you know, not going to fuck with him. Uh, so what was your good thing, Matt? Uh, man, so that was a pretty kick-ass fucking Batleth fight. Which one? Um, the uh, the one yeah. with The, the one between Dax and... and oh, yeah, that one, too. Yeah. Both of them were. I mean, I love, I love the fight at the end, but the uh, the one in the middle... Feels a lot more per- personal and not boring. Like I find most of the Batleth fights really boring because Batleths don't really work as weapons. I've heard like like sword nerds say that. Like I'm not well, really into weapons and stuff at all, but I've heard guys who are into that stuff say the Batleths are just like they look cool, but well, they're that, not really. That's one of the reasons. Uh, spoilers: Worf gets a meth goth because he was sick of swinging around that big thing that wasn't very useful. Right. Well, that's, but, that doesn't really spoil anything, because I, I, you know, I bet nobody knows what that is anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if that's the claw with the knife on the end, or just the knife. <laughs> the claw with the knife on the end. Yeah, you know. I'm picturing, I'm picturing one of those <laughs> It sounds arms. like a Klingon weapon, even if it's not, it should be. <laughs> I'm picturing one of those grabo arms that you get from, like, Target. <laughs> with, <laughs> with a knife, knife on, on the end. end. The grabo arm commands respect. <laughs> But no, I friggin' like Dax and fucking rock that fight. Uh, that was Koloff. Was it Koloff? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, I I enjoyed. Koloff was the one that looked the most like a Klingon. Yes, he definitely did. Um, wh- who was the one who lived through the episode? Like two of them ended up that was in the battle. Kang, uh, Kang, the drunk guy. Yeah, that was Kor. Because he'll actually then, show up again in a few in a few future episodes. That's, yeah, that's not really spoiling. And then much. Kang's the one that actually killed the albino. Hmm. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I in general, I find sword fights boring in anything. Clang, clang, okay, get on with it. But no, it, you it's Kang, Kang. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> what happened to us, Kodos? <laughs> Quiet, you. <laughs> but the, um, the, the stakes were really good. Like, the, the idea that, that Dax sort of had to prove herself. And I like that she didn't defeat the sword master. No, that would have been a little too ridiculous. He's a Klingon sword master, and she's like... Yeah, a 27-year-old girl. Yeah. Like, I mean, look, Dax is the shit, but... Yeah. Uh, no, but the point is she held her own for quite a while. She did well. Yeah. But we're, we're still not meant to make that ridiculous leap that she defeated the, the you know, the greatest swordmaster in the Klingon Empire. She beat all the yeah. all of the masters, and she's the best one, and everyone had a present for her. <laughs> <laughs> and she made out with all of them, too. Yes. Of course. No, it was, it was nice. It was nice just seeing, like... In the same way that all three of those characters were different, she had to prove herself to each of them in a different way, mm-hmm. which was cool. I just, I, I really like that. I like that that it, a lot of it was about Dax and about how Dax is Jadzia now, but can still like hold her own and and still live up to. Like that was my good thing. Mm-hmm. Was there's a there's a, a bit near the end when they're getting close to the castle and they're starting to make their plan, and she does some sciency stuff. Yeah, and it's, it was cool to see her, like her as her. Not just as Dax, but as Jadzia, kicking in with stuff that only she can do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To, to show that it's not just Curzon's fight, that, that Jadzia is also, you know, a, a, yeah, she a useful too. contributor. Right. Which is good. I really like mm-hmm. that a lot. And, and in also, general, this was all about sort of defining her and making her cool. So. Yeah. It's also, I, I like just the sort of the direction of this one, where with, of her trying to keep these guys alive. Mm-hmm. Because we spend so much time with the Klingons talking about how great it is to die in battle and stuff, you know? Well, that's their, like, that's their favorite uh, uh, battle cry, is yeah. it's a good day to die. Like, yeah, but you don't have to die. Yeah. I just, I like the idea of her just like, no, no, we don't need to turn this into a suicide attempt. We can turn this into, like, an, the, the honorable thing it's supposed to be. Yeah, we can actually come up with a good plan and maybe have a chance at winning. Yeah, how about that? Which I actually thought that was a really good twist near the end. Like, I mm-hmm. thought, oh, we're steaming toward the end, everything's just going to stay the same, and they're going to kill the bad guy. And it was a nice little extra twist 
to say, nope, yeah. they're doing this because they want to die. I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Added an extra layer to it. Uh, so what was your bad thing, Matt? So here's the thing. You're going to get... They call the villain in this thing the albino, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, the fact that you're giving him a the name and not, you know, just... Oh, that's Evil Chad from the Evil Chad galaxy. <laughs> right. Like, first of all... He better be fucking white, okay? <laughs> Not some pale-ass motherfucker who might maybe kind of be a Klingon who's got a Santa beard and some B. Arthur hair. Like, this dude is not intimidating enough for three badass Klingon warriors from the original series, plus Dax, to come out of retirement, come all this way to kick his ass. Like, that dude better be a fucking monster. See, I liked that he was kind of a kind of a coward hiding behind all his guards Just, and he was more about paying people to defend him than he was about actually being a good you know his ridiculous guards let's get into that for a second oh, yeah. oh, oh wow God. yeah his army of daft punks <laughs> yes <laughs> see right now in the 21st century there's only two of them but by, by the time this episode <laughs> happens there's like 50 <laughs> and they're all working for the albino later on they'll go on to form the breen culture <laughs> after they get dog noses after they get dog noses and get lucky. Right. Well, they're up all night to do that. Yes. But yeah, there were, there were some particularly egregious... Uh, it was really... They, they raided the Flash Gordon closet for those uniforms. Yeah. They raided the um, Robocop the TV series closet for that. <laughs> that, was, that was bad. And, and also, it was clear that they were human under that. Yes. Like, I, yeah. I figured they put the helmets on because they didn't want to do 50 guys' makeup and, you know, Klingon makeup. Which they, is understandable, but yeah, they're really little crummy little or something. Yeah. Like, if you're going like, to cover up the top part, at least you could give them beards. Yeah, or give them fucking... I know you've got, like, Klingon uh, costumes they, lying They must have just generic Klingon, like, heads sitting around. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, they've got all those leftover costumes from the uh, Worf Gets Poked with a Pain Stick episode. Right. Yeah. There was at least eight Klingons there. You can get eight costumes. Oh, and, and like during uh, Redemption, where they're hanging out in the bars and beating each other up, and like yeah. Klingons all over the place. Like there's yeah. a few there's a few different episodes with big crowds of Klingons. They yeah, made exactly. an entire movie with only eight Borg. You can make uh, you know twenty minutes of an episode with eight Klingons. Right. Yeah. I I mean I'm sure they didn't have fifty extras. It felt like it like with all the bodies piling up, but yeah. I'm sure they didn't have fifty extras to begin with. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah, those those helmets were fucking ridiculous. I, I just, while we're on the topic, too, I, I just want to be clear on this. The albino was a Klingon, right? Yes. I don't know. I don't think he, so. Yeah, he was. Like, I assume he, he shouts about Klingon filth at one point. Yeah, yeah. I, like I say, I feel like he's kind of a sellout. He's kind of a, like, like he's not into all the Klingon honor. Because, I mean, he, he poisons their children with, like, a genetic disease. That's not very yeah. Klingon honorable. That's No, that's, that's actually, yeah. that's one of those things that Worf was disgusted by, if I recall. Right. And I think that was sort of the point is he's, you know, he's detestable for a Klingon. He doesn't mm-hmm. have any honor. He's he's kind of a, you know, kind of a jerk. Yeah. I don't know. I'm looking him up right now so we can we can settle this. But I'm Clarify pretty sure he was shit. meant to be. Uh... Oh, no, I did that already. They 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 don't know. They memory don't know. Alpha doesn't know. Oh, what? oh, well, if memory. Alpha yeah, exactly. Know, then, uh... Oh, there's actually a, a, a uh, an entry called the albino species. Yeah. The albino species were a humanoid species with cranial ridges. Yeah, so, see? Yeah. yeah. Based maybe on a Klingon. Their, based on not. their appearance, it's possible the albino was actually a Klingon, although this is only speculation and given his apparent disdain for Klingons, whom he calls scum, is unlikely. All right, well, you guys are right. I just assumed he was sort of a like an outcast Klingon. Mm. But No, I get it. Like, I mean, that's, that was my It might just be because he has a weird-ass face. Yeah. There's no easy way to say this, but because he's really, really white, yeah, yeah, like that might be messing with uh, with the ma- with the way the makeup normally looks. Well, I don't know because I mean, you usually, I mean? like in the later series, they get black eyes to play Klingons just because it works better with the darker skin. But no, yeah, exactly, and it's darker. The, the shadows white. look different, though. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I guess that's true. And his hair too was was he had it up in a Captain Janeway bun instead of being oh. out. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. I didn't, like, I, I kind of liked the idea that he was sort of a weenie. Like, he was sort of a, like, a coward almost. Yeah. That, then you give him a name and not a cool villain name. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. I, I guess I don't think about it in terms of, like, big epic stories like you probably would. Mm-hmm. 
Like I don't. Well, they set this up to be a big epic. No, story. they did. They did. I, I made the not... the Game of Thrones joke, but that's what it was. It was right. raiding a castle for house honor. Like, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not saying it's out of place. I'm saying I don't usually think in those terms because I I like I prefer space stuff to castles usually. <laughs> well, we all prefer space stuff to castles. But I mean, in this case, the castle worked. I just I don't you know. Well, it's because the castle was in space. Yeah, and it's it was ca- uh... and it was a better castle than Lore's Magic Castle. Well. You know what else is a better castle than Lord's Magic Castle? The bouncy castle that used to be outside my bedroom window. <laughs> the magic asshole? Yes, the gothic asshole. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, there's a, there's a bit. One of them gives a speech about how the albino is going to pay and blah, 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 as he watches with his dying breath. And I'm watching with Amanda, and she says, that's not how, that's not how watching works. <laughs> That was good. Also, we were all very surprised to learn that Ronald D. Moore did not write this episode. Yeah, this is such yeah, a that was weird episode. Yeah. Well, he's the one that sort of single-handedly defined the Klingons in the modern Star Trek. And yeah. It's nice that someone else can pick up the, the you know, the, the ball and, and run with it and mm-hmm. do it well. It's not like it's all up to him, which is cool. Like this this guy, I think it was, uh, is it Peter Allen Fields? Is that the guy who wrote this one? I think so. It was one of the regular guys, and it wasn't Echevarria. I think it was. I think it was Fields. Um, I, like, totally added stuff to the Klingon culture, and and you know, flesh things out, and you know, like, it felt very Klingon. Like, it didn't feel like why why isn't our guy doing this? You know, like, like this guy did it well too. Yeah. Which he just cool. hadn't showed up yet. Right. No, he'll be here when next gen ends next season. Mm-hmm. We're running parallel to season seven right now. Yeah. So. He's on his way. But like I say, I love that this show has found its voice enough that they're okay doing original series throwbacks now. Yeah. We'll actually have another big one next week. I won't spoil exactly what it is. But, no. Uh, but there's a, there's another huge uh, tie-in to the original series in an episode we're doing next week. And mm-hmm. it's it's nice that they can do that. Where Next Gen, early out of the gate, did that, fucked it up, and then sort of <laughs> backed away from it for a good long while. Yeah, but DS9 really sort of gets... Uh, sort of gets the original series. I always felt DS9 was closer to sort of the... uh, I feel like that, too. The Yeah, uh, Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like... Well, also, it helps that they're not trying so hard to to not, like... I don't know. Next Gen had a really hard time proving that they weren't trying to rip it off. Yeah. Whereas DS9... Yeah, by the time DS9 came around, they didn't have to do that anymore. They they had a built-in audience. They didn't have Mm. to prove anything. Yeah, which was nice. They could they could sort of just say, yeah, this is the universe we live in, and Picard's here, and Core Kang and Koloth are also here, mm. which is very cool. Uh, anyway, yeah, this is a good episode. Yeah, fucking fantastic episode. Also, the final appearance of Chris Lada, the uh, the the voice actor uh, responsible for Cobra Commander and Starscream. I don't know. I re- I really like that guy. I'm really sad yeah. that he died, and uh, I'm really sad that he had like three lines in a Star Trek episode, like. As his last thing. <laughs> he should have been the albino is what I'm saying. That would have been fine. Yeah. Especially if he was using his Starscream voice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was be. once a man. <laughs> that and, may have been slightly more blue laser uh, cheat commandos. Than, uh, uh, you know. Like there's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> Just hate you people so much. So much. Well, speaking of speaking of Homestar stuff, Flunk, you tried really hard to tie these guys to uh... <laughs> Koloth Core King, the Ugly One. Except that makes Dax the Ugly One, so it doesn't really work. Yeah, but the chaps have said that the Ugly One is secretly the Hot One. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, because I mean, she is the one with glasses. That's true. So, there is that. Uh, anyway, that's all I had. What about you guys? They kind of don't do a lot with it but they do bring up the um uh that you know dax is going to go kill a guy and that's not really cool in our culture oh yeah, yeah. there's a we great really scene between her that. and cisco and yeah, then the uh, the scene with uh kira that that we mentioned earlier oh yeah and then that but that's pretty much all they do with it well the, like the scene with cisco is fantastic because it's, yeah it's very character driven like it's very much in character for for ben and also for jedzia to, to to have their points of view, but then yeah. nothing ever comes of it. He's like, you're not going. I'm not going to let you. I'm your commanding officer. You're staying here. And she's like, nope, I'm going. And then she See, just and, comes back home. Yeah, and basically he's like, all right, well, when you come back, do you really expect your job to still be here? And yeah. it is. Yep. See, that's the interesting thing is because, like, she talks about how, like, by Klingon law, she, they're, they're, 
it's they're perfectly within their right to kill this guy. Yeah, but, that worked for Worf. Yeah, but it doesn't but, really work for Jadzia. The problem here is that, like, first of all, that shit don't fly with Starfleet. Right. It shouldn't. Right. Secondly, she's not a Klingon. Right. And the the fact that we just sort of walk away from this kind of important issue. Well, and the thing is, the episode deliberately brings it up. Yeah, but. And then ends with her going back to work and exchanging dirty glances with Cisco. Like, obviously, they wanted to address it. Even if she didn't kill the albinos, she still definitely killed some of those guards. Yeah. And, and she definitely disobeyed orders and left. Yeah. Yeah. At the very least, she's accessory to murder. Right. At the very least, she should be getting a court-martial. Yeah. If yeah. not, just getting kicked out of Starfleet altogether. It's it's like the, um, it was like when uh, Quark almost got anyone ki- everyone killed last season, right? Yeah. You don't just get to come back to work the next day. No. Not when the guy says, you no, you don't get to come back to work. Yeah. Like, he specifically said that. Like, this stuff's important. Yeah. And and again, if the show hadn't called so much attention to it, we probably wouldn't be fixating on it so much. Yeah. But they made us think about it, and then they didn't do anything with it. I mean, yeah, if she'd just taken a, you know, war vacation, I wouldn't have given a shit. Yeah, and not told Cisco where she was going, or, yeah. you know, whatever. But yeah, totally or if Cisco did, uh, did a Picard kind of, you know. I don't uh, know what you're right. doing. I, I don't like it, but go do what you gotta do. Yeah. Or, what's that? I didn't hear you. You're breaking up. Yeah. Yeah. This is all off the record. I do I do like the fact that Cisco's very much like, no, you're not killing yeah. this guy. No, that was very in character for him. Like yeah. I said, I wish they had, you know, I wish, like, in the next episode he was still mad at her or something. Yeah. If nothing else. But, eh, whatever. It's it's one of those things, because this was such a great episode that we Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're picking on it because there's nothing else to pick on. Right. Yeah. Because I think we all... so much of it was like half the episode was a it was a cool assault. So this yeah. is probably like Klingon episodes. Like I like them, but I'm not as mu- as into them as you guys are. But I I like them. But I think this is probably my favorite one across the various series. Yeah, fucking love me a good Klingon episode. Just because this this has that sort of like classic, you know getting the band back together feel that oh the, yeah you know, one yeah. last heist kind of thing and, and the it, fact that know. the band has a pedigree too, like within right. uh, the universe. Yeah, yeah, within the history. Awesome. Yep. And, you know, it, it, they also do a great job of establishing that these are great characters, even if you don't recognize them. Oh, yeah. Like, if you have no idea who these guys are, there's still, like, three really kick-ass Klingons. Yeah. And they spend the good, you know, the first two-thirds of the episode showing you why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not just you're meant to believe it. It's, it's you know, it's laid out for you, which yeah. is nice. So, anything else? Um, I think that's it. Yeah, I think we're good. All right. Uh, you got a quote for us, Flunk? I do. It's Klingons being Klingons. Look upon your executioner's killer of children! Well, you can't really go wrong with that. It's true. And that was that was one of those, just you hear it and you're just like, yes! So fucking awesome. Yep. Yeah. Pretty damn awesome. Speaking of things that are awesome, this next episode is not <laughs> awesome. <laughs> what do you think of that? <laughs> Matt... All right, so the Maquis Part 1. So a Cardassian ship is hauling giant batteries and explodes while docking with DS9. Everyone suspects terrorism and sabotage, and everyone is right. Remember that episode of TNG where all those Federation citizens were being forced to leave their homes because the new treaty with the Cardassians said that they had to, and then a bunch of citizens willingly stayed knowing that they would have no protection in this new demilitarized zone? Yeah, guess what? Still a problem. So, Cisco's old buddy Cal Hudson comes by to team up with Ben and figure out what the hell the deal is. And if you haven't figured out that Cal is a traitor working for the Federation citizens, then there is no helping you whatsoever. <laughs> anyway, so, so Cisco returns home to find out that Gul Dukat, returns home to find Gul Dukat going through his underwear drawers for the good of the people of Bajor. <laughs> Dukat also wants to know what the hell happened to his Cardassian buddy, so he and Ben road trip over to the DMZ and find and meet up with Cal and his opposite Cardassian number, Gull Vol Exterminator. <laughs> Gull Vol Exterminator has caught the ship exploder, some random dude in a turtleneck, and gotten a confession out of him before he died unexpectedly of self-inflicted torture. Well, nothing untoward there. So Cisco and Ducat head back to DS9, where Ducat is promptly kidnapped by a comely Vulcan lass who's buy- been buying guns from Quark. Cisco, Kira, and Julian trace Ducat to some planet in the DMZ, where an uninteresting-sounding terrorist group named the Maquis is hiding out. And then there's this big reveal that Cal is working for them, which should shock absolutely no one ever. To be continued! Oh, good. 
the dun 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 dun, dun <laughs> will not be included here because it does not deserve it. Right. I, I really like the turn of phrase self-inflicted torture, by the way. <laughs> he tortured himself to death. <laughs> well, it's not like the Cardassians tortured him. Oh, of course not. What are you talking about? No. They just they left him alone in a cell with torture implements, and he just yeah. tortured himself. Commander, I am as shocked as you are by this startling revelation. <laughs> this, you know, I expected, like, I really dreaded this. I knew which episodes these were. Like, oh, good, the Dax Klingon one, and uh, I have to slog through the other one. But I actually didn't didn't hate this. Yeah, yeah, I like this it, one a lot, actually. A lot? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, fair. That's good. Like, you would say it's, it's well above <laughs> it's average. It's Deep Space Nine fighting Cardassians. What's not to like? Well, I mean, the Maquis I'm, for one. Yeah, I'm well on the record as not liking the Maquis. So well, here's that. this is actually my good thing is that I like the Melody Rebels. Um, one of the big problems we have with all the, with those kind of episodes is that it's some conflict that we've never heard of and we're never going to see them again. So who cares? But this time, it's something that we've watched progress through Next Generation Deep Space Nine, and yet these guys we haven't seen before. But the the ongoing conflict. That's um, true. We, the, the, we're really involved. The whole situation's in. been set up. You're you're right about that. Yeah. And I will say, as as a point of order, that the the way these two series ran concurrently, this is chronologically the first appearance of the Maquis. Yeah. Like when they're revealed is the first time you're supposed to to see them, and then in that row episode where she ends up joining them is actually the second time where mm-hmm. you're supposed to know who they are at that point. So. So we can't really be sick of them yet because they're just showing up for the first time. Yeah. And yet. <laughs> I the thing is it doesn't come up in this episode but there's that whole situation of the federation will give you a planet fucking leave. Yeah. Uh, th- th- that's the problem really is that even though it it's not in this lot, episode really. I can't get past that shit. It drives me fucking crazy. Yeah, it's they're fighting for their shitty homes just to prove a point. Like Yeah, cuz like it's like every time they say, "Well, we can't give up on our pl-, it's like, "Well, we're we're being exterminated." I'm like, "Then leave." Yeah. That's that's pretty much how I feel. But but they haven't said that in this episode. Yeah. Like that came up in next gen. But we don't know that about these guys yet. As yeah, far as so we I know, can't I, you know. I can't be mad about it. Yeah. But I but am still. very mad they about do, it. They yeah. do I think they do say that like they're staying there by choice though. Yeah, well I mean it's still fairly clear to mm-hmm. us that the Federation has tons and tons of resources yeah. and it wouldn't be that hard to give these guys new homes. Yeah. I mean we're in an ideal future where you can magically produce, you know, resources with with machines. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard, probably. And, and M-class planets are a fucking dime a dozen. Yeah, we trip over them every week. Yeah, They're vertical. actually on an M-class asteroid to widen the field even further. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. But I I don't know. I don't still... I still don't feel that sympathetic with them. It just... It feels like... It feels like they could leave. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, I can see your point, Flonk, that, that yeah. this is a political situation that this show has, has done a pretty good job of, of setting up. So it's not just from out of nowhere, and we're never going to hear from these. Yeah, guys exactly. Again. And then we warp up to the sunset and forget about them. Yeah, right. I, I, I get you there, and I get that you know involving the Cardassians is pretty cool, but at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of humans whining about their their homes that aren't their homes anymore. No. <laughs> Cardassian moved into my where my house is supposed to be. We'll give you a new house. I don't want that. I don't that want house. that house. This is my home. I want your house. So I guess I'm, the way, I'm moving in with you. <laughs> I guess the way the chronology worked is the Space Indian episode with Wesley was first, mm-hmm. which was the Cardassians. First, I thought that was one of the last episodes of Next Generation. No, because that's the one where uh, that's wasn't that like the they, third to where... last, something like that. No, the, well, it was fairly close to the end, but it was. It, I, it, it must hmm. have been before that Row episode because, like. Well, that's when it's they said they were... It's all about those people not wanting to leave. Yeah, and that's when they said they were setting up the demilitarized zone. They were just signing the treaty. Yeah, because uh, Picard's big, uh, like, Picard's whole uh, thing that he, like, the, th- the treaty he hammered out was that these people could stay if they wanted to, but the Federation wasn't going to have anything to do with them anymore. Right. Like, they were effectively cutting ties with the Federation. Right. And if the Cardassians wanted to wipe them out or whatever, that was completely their, you know, their choice. So I think I think that happened first, and then this. You you might be right, Flunk, that the episodes might not quite line up, but I think, like situation wise, it feels like right. that happened first, and then this, yeah. and then and then the one with Roe. But I could be wrong. Um, but we're supposed to sort of understand that they've been at war with the Cardassians. The war's over. They're setting up a demilitarized zone. Like all that stuff sort mm-hmm. of in place. But I don't know. And as as Matt, I do kind of like too that it's, it's a demilitarized zone instead of the neutral zone. Right. Yes, it's not neutral. There's just no military. 
Right. Yeah. No, and that's what happens after wars. Those those exist, you know, on Earth. Like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no. Between countries, I just like you know, they're they're not just setting up another Romulan sector. Like they're right. It's it's a different situation. Right. The the problem with setting up a new neutral zone is that you're automatically going to have tons of Romulans patrolling it. <laughs> this is nowhere near you guys. Get out! Get out! <laughs> this is the neutral zone. You're not allowed in here. Get out! Well, what are you, you doing in here? Never mind. Get, not that's not important. Oh, we're invisible now. Get out! Have have we seen any Romulans in DS9 yet? Like I I know we will. No, I don't think so. Not I that I can remember. It's come up yet. I think we're sort of like on the other side of them. Yeah. Like they're way over there somewhere. Well, they got yeah. shit to do in the Beta Quadrant. Is that where they are? Are they in the that's, Beta Quadrant? That's where. Yeah, the they're beta, in the Beta the... Quadrant. The Klingons are on the border, and we're in the yeah. Alpha. I'm, I'm never entirely clear on the geography because they deliberately didn't map things out for a good long while. They might have finally caved and done it, but mm-hmm. for a long well, time. Well, they map. just released a book, like, last month. Oh, nice. The big uh, Oh, Star yeah, Trek I've been book. looking yeah. at that thing. It, I, I would have it if it weren't so fucking expensive. Yeah. I, when the shows were on, there were, there were like, questions in, like, you know, online forums and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, where where is this and where is this? And they, like, I think it was Ron Moore in one of his AOL chat room things said, like, we deliberately don't do that. We like to leave it kind of vague. Yeah. If I recall from the map I got with my Star Trek TV guide book back I have in that map as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Klingon homeworld and the Romulan homeworld are both in the Beta Quadrant. Ah, but Klingons are coming to DS9 all the time. Well, I'm sure they get out more. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, we're allies with them, so they can well, yeah, they're friends. They, they, can, they yeah. can go through Federation space. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, so what was your bad thing, Flunk? Quark flirts with a Vulcan terrorist is one of the more boring ways to pad a story out to two episodes. I'm not prepared to call it padding until I know if it pays off in the next mm. episode. I can, I can, I can see it what you're saying. It definitely feels like padding in this one. Hmm. The fr- I like the first scene with them, but like you know, the third time we're going back to them. So, all right, I get it. Go back to the fireworks factory. See, that's interesting because this was this was actually Matt's good. thing. Yeah, your bad thing is my good thing. I actually really enjoy Quark and uh, Vulcan lady. Hot Vulcan uh, lady. Hot, extremely she hot Vulcan hot. lady. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> going, uh, flirting. I like that Quark, like, it's, it's like a challenge to him. Like, mm-hmm. how could I, how could I possibly make any headway with this Vulcan? Well, I'm going to try. Yeah. Well, first of all, I love, I love Quark just sort of launching himself into, uh, it's like, oh, oh, you're pretty and you want to do business? My two favorite things. Plus, once again, Quark flinging himself at a strong woman. Yep. Like, he certainly mm-hmm. has a type. Yep. Which I love. So I, I, I love his I love his flirting and I really like her reacting to it. Yep, because you can tell she's trying to string him along. She's trying to string him along, but she's also a little into it. I don't think she is. I think she's trying her Vulcan best to not lie but make him think she's interested. Oh man, no, no I, I, I think I, by the end of the episode she's into it. You think? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I thought she was enjoying it. Oh, see, I was under the impression she was doing that because she knew it would work. Like, this is something that no one's ever, like, no one's ever done this much for her before. Probably not. Probably they're put off by the whole Vulcan thing. Yeah, and, you know. and he's, he's just like, oh, whatever, man. You well, don't want to do that? That's cool. And Flunk, you had sort of a fundamental problem with the idea of a Vulcan. Yeah, it, like, a Vulcan wouldn't see the logic in terrorism. I See, I don't know. Like, they, don't... they know that it would cause more problems than it would help. Yeah. Like, if you follow just, I, through to its logical conclusion, yeah. it never ends well for the terrorist. Well, I just even going, it's it's a last resort a thing now. And we've sort of established that as a culture, they're they're largely pacifists anyway. Yes. Yeah. So but, I could see that, but... You know, it's also nice to see that everyone in one race isn't the exact same as each other. Right, it's know? like we were saying with the Klingons before. Like, it's yeah. it's nice to, to give it a little nuance. But Well, they, they do a really good episode of that in, uh, in Season 7. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember it being good anyway. And um, I don't know. I think this one, she was just too much of a generic Vulcan to, to <laughs> for me to buy into it. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not really prepared to make any judgments on the character because I don't know. Like, for all I know, she's an undercover Federation operative, like, trying to expose Quark. Yeah. Or she's a, you know, like, there's, it, it could go a few different directions, and I'm not really sure what's up yet. Mm-hmm. The easiest way to go with is, oh, it turns out you're a Romulan. Yeah. That's that's yeah. sort of what I assumed, and then you were you said that that would be really easy, and you're right. Yeah, it it, it would be. Well, the show doesn't always go for easy, so no. maybe maybe that's not the case. I like I said in the back of my head, and I don't actually remember how this episode ends at all. Well, but, no, because it's the Maquis. So why would you why well, would you retain <laughs> that information? But I've seen it. I have watched it at one mm-hmm. point. I watched all of these at one point, but I don't remember. 
But I, I something in the back of my head says that she's like not actually looking for weapons, that she's trying to find the source of the weapons. Maybe she's trying to find true love. That could be. And it's, it's, <laughs> it was standing right in front of her the whole time. The whole time. Yep. She just needs to look six inches down. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my bad thing sort of ties into all this. I was genuinely surprised and a little disappointed that Quark would get involved in arms trading. It seems like he, like, of course he's sleazy and of course he, you know, he does shady things, but it feels mm. like he lives by a certain code and he wouldn't cross that line. Well, he I, we know, we yeah, know he's true. dealt, we know he's dealt arms before. Has he? I think so. Yeah. I don't know that that's I'm, true. You might be right, but I don't, I don't remember that. I'm sure that I before he came to DS9. I think he, I, we might not know it yet, but I think he does. Well, I remember keeping it vague. I remember there is a situation where he's offered yeah, uh, you know, to to do that, and he says no, and he regrets it because there's a lot of money in it. Oh no, you know what? Uh, there's him that whole... and Odo talk about this, and he right. doesn't do it, but he he's okay. Puts with you it. in contact with someone who will do it. Yeah, he knows people. Oh yeah, that's how he that's how he's able to justify it. Is he'll yeah. he'll put you in contact with somebody for a fee. Yeah, right. I guess that makes sense. I don't know. I I always felt like Quark was sleazy but he still had his own morals in his own weird way and he didn't really get involved in all that stuff mm, I think he does have his own morals in his own weird way but I still think he sells guns to people who want them uh, alright I, I, that doesn't really fit with my particular view of the character but I think that's open to interpretation mm. I mean we're still early in the series too yeah he, he, has, yeah. A, he has a big arc That's true. Yeah, over the course of the seven years but mm. what we've seen so far for, for a year and a half is especially a couple of weeks ago where he's where he's dealing with uh, his his former Cardassian lover. Yes. Is I feel like there's a you know there's a good guy under there somewhere. I mean there is, but yeah. you know he's a good guy who will still sell. Weapons. I don't know. Selling selling guns to terrorists just feels like one of those hard to come back from things. Mm-hmm. Is all. But on the other hand, the writers said that they felt he was too soft in that episode, and they wanted to probably give him more of an edge. So yeah. What do I know? Uh, Matt, what was your bad thing? Uh, so the dude that plays the commander and Ben's friend, what the hell's his name? Cal? I wrote Cal. it down. Yeah. Cal. Uh, so Commander Cal mm-hmm. may be one of the worst actors I've seen on Star Trek. That dude has no idea whatsoever how to deliver a line. He's got this incredibly wooden way of talking where he's sort of like... Every word has this weird enunciation to it. And he talks from the bottom of his throat. Yeah, but and none of the... Like, he doesn't speak in any kind... Like, in the context of what he's saying. See, I think it's just like Avery Brooks. He's got a really strange cadence, but I don't think it's necessarily bad. Oh, I man, certainly no. don't think he's the worst actor we've seen in Star Trek. I don't oh, think God. he's the worst, but he, he's no. pretty bad. I, I don't know. Thinking back to the original series, are you, you sure you want to say no, that? No, he's probably not top 10 worst, but yeah. he's he's definitely bottom 50%. Oh, okay. He's definitely the worst I've seen in a while. Yeah. See, I, I, I've seen this guy in other things, and I don't think he's that bad. And, oh. I don't know. He's got a he's got a certain presence, and I think they were going for a guy who's similar to Avery Brooks. He's got, he's got a, you know, he's a black dude of a certain age. He's... He's got a wife who died. He's got, like, every, there's so many similar things. Yeah. And he's got a weird way of talking. It's just we like the way Avery Brooks talks, I guess. Well, yes. And this guy is, like, you Also, know. Avery Brooks is a good actor. Well, he is. Yeah. This guy is not. All right. But, I mean, they, they go to great lengths to show how similar these guys are. Yep. And we're, not yeah. so, we're not so different, you and I. <laughs> See, you want to talk about you want to talk about we're not so different, you and I. That, yeah. that comes to my good thing, <laughs> which is all the scenes between uh, uh, Ducat and Cisco. I would literally yes. watch an entire episode of those two on a road trip, just in a runabout, just talking <laughs> for forty five minutes. That that is so great. His intro to the episode is probably my favorite of just the ridiculousness of Ducat. Well, Matt wasn't far off saying that he was going through his underwear drawer. That was, that was only a very slight <laughs> exaggeration. He sneaks into the station, breaks into Cisco's quarters, and is just hanging out on the couch when Cisco walks in. Yep. And then he gets all offended that nobody thinks the best of him. <laughs> like the idea, like the first thing Cisco does is figure out where Jake is on the station, and Ducat's 
legitimately upset that Cisco would think he would... Commander, how could you think I would do something to your son? Because you broke into my house! And this isn't like a like a like an offhand thing Cisco says. He really takes a minute to ask Kira to... Yeah, he sits and Jake. stares at Dukat until Kira gets back to him saying that Jake is okay. Right. And, you know, the thing is, if he had asked the computer himself, the computer would have said, Sirak Lofton does not appear in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> But he and Nog are, are at the uh, at the airlock watching the women. Yep. So, like they do. Yeah, like Standing they... on the corner, watching all the girls go by. <laughs> but yeah, I I love and that that's the vibe we kick off with, and it doesn't really let up. No. Even though they sort of end up in the same situation where Ducat's like, fuck, my guys are doing bad yeah. stuff, and yeah. Cisco's like, fuck, my guys are doing bad stuff. And, and the it... entire hour Cisco never stops staring at him. Nope. Yeah. But like the thing is, Ducat doesn't actually do anything in this. Episode. Like he, there's nothing. Well, he's, he gets the ball rolling. Yeah, he's he's legitimately trying to get things under control. Like I feel yeah. like he's he's not. Like he probably sympathizes with the Cardassians who are fighting the Maquis, but he oh, probably, but he probably. Well, he's probably doing the same thing Cisco is, which is trying to get protect his people. Right, mm-hmm. and trying to protect uh, the, the more terrorists, and, and... the less safe everybody is. Right. But see, on the one hand, I feel like he probably sympathizes with his guys, but on the other hand, he doesn't want another war. No. Yeah. Like, I truly believe yeah, yeah, he exactly. wants to stop this. And it's, it's It doesn't really benefit the Bajoran people if there's another war. Well, no. everything he does is for the good of the Bajoran people. There's some weird underwear you got here, Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a great bit where they're, they're talking about how uh, Cardassians have uh, photographic memories and Cisco says, you know, I heard that, that your children, when you're four, go through this intense, like, uh, learning thing or whatever. And and uh, I, I, they, they have this whole exchange where, like, Cisco's like, no, children should have fun and play. And and, uh, and Ducat says something like, play is for the weak. And, and Cisco goes, what? And this like, delivery uh, was so like great. It's like the Q episode. Yeah. What? What? And you could see, like... He gets angry at himself for reacting like shit. Yeah. I, oh man, he got me. Like uh, uh, cold exterior. Yeah, he's he's trolling me, and I totally took it, and I yep. I need to go. No, stone face. So he's trolling me. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how they spent the the last couple of hours in the runabout. <laughs> the thing is, uh, Ducat's natural expression is not far from that guy's creepy. Nope. Song. No. <laughs> oh man. I would give I would give so much to see uh, Ducat do the Trollolo song while Cisco wore his lederhosen. <laughs> <laughs> we find out that that Cisco and and Cal were stationed at New Berlin at one point and actually yep. wore lederhosen and went out uh, drinking beer and eating sausage in lederhosen, which is awesome. Yeah, Cisco says, "Yeah, I still have the hat." Now, you know, if, if they really want to pay attention to detail, they'll put the hat, like, on a shelf in his in his quarters in a, yep. in a future episode. That Incidentally, I think we have a cover for the uh, the DS9 uh, episode guide. <laughs> <laughs> Just exactly what you described, Ducat singing Trollolo. And, uh, yep. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> Early frontrunner. Yep. There's your next supplemental. Yep. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure... Uh, I'm pretty sure Vishal wants to draw somebody naked, so I'm not going to... So, Armas? Well, you have Dax in the corner. Ah, there you go. Works for me. <laughs> and a towel. Yes. Oh. Dax had a really hot, like, ninja outfit in, in the Klingon episode as yeah, well. She yeah, did. she did. Which is which was nice. Just think about that for a minute. Mm. But, the, but, but the Maquis... Oh, yeah. Our, our um, thing. Uh, I guess. Uh, Stuff. So they have their um their their little shouting match with each other, the colonists and the Cardassians, mm-hmm. and um and Cisco asks to see the prisoner, and they're like, "Sure, bring him out," and they just bring out a corpse, <laughs> just dump dump a fucking <laughs> dead body stashing this this you, dead body in the hallway. You can yep. tell the the gull, what's his name, was just like waiting for that for that moment. It's Gull Vol Exterminator. Right? Oh right, of course. One of the only characters to appear in Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. No kidding. Yeah. Yep. I think the other one's Quark. Uh, yeah, you're uh, probably right about that. It yeah. is Quark, and it's um. There's one other. Um, Riker, probably. Kurt. Yeah, yeah, it is Riker. Is it Riker? Thank you. Oh, that's right. Thank you. Yeah. So there's been a few, but mm-hmm. not many. 
No, it's a small club. Right. It's like the SNL Five Timers Club. Yeah. Which is nice. There's a secret room and a secret. Oddly enough, right? Alec Baldwin's in this one too. <laughs> oh man, Alec Baldwin. He would be like a fantastic. I don't know, like maybe Klingon. Like I don't know, something that uses his voice. He would be an awesome Cardassian. Yeah, the there you go. Too, yeah. There you go. I was trying to think of a of suitably menacing alien race that would talk like that. Yeah, he would Cardassian the hell out of that. And and then Will Arnett would have to be one as well. Oh, of course. <laughs> and then they could have a talking like this goddamn. Yes, exactly. A Batman. <laughs> He's a really good Batman. <laughs> He's a really good Batman. I'm like the only person in the world who hasn't seen that movie yet. It's so. really good. I would like to. I've been very busy as all. <laughs> I I would very much like to see that. <laughs> um so what else? Uh dump the let's see, dump the dead body on the uh Yeah, that was that was awful. We got all our good things, bad things. That's that's pretty much all I got. I don't know. Yeah. Plunk, anything? No, that's all, everything I got. It was a very like I, it was a very mock or it was a very mocky episode. No, it was a very blah episode. See, I I would say like I don't think it's no. amazing. Like Flunk quite liked it. I thought it was above average. Yeah. I I thought it had. Yeah, some so I'd characters. give it like a B plus if we were doing that sort of thing. Yeah, I'd give it like a C. I. It was fine. Nah. It had some really good character stuff. Like, most of it was, was guys talking to each other and reacting to each other. You had Cisco mm. Ducat, you had uh, Quark and the uh, the Vulcan, you had uh, the good hero and uh, Cisco exactly. scene. Like, just some really good interactions, I thought. And that's what the show does well. Even if it's a kind of a crummy premise, they still do good character stuff. So, that's oh, true. We, we had Odo, like, uh, lamenting the fact that they won't let him be a, a fascist. <laughs> yeah. It's like O'Brien says something like, "Well, that ship, you know, isn't it your fault that that ship blew up? Aren't you in charge of security? If you'd let me be in charge of security, but you won't let me have curfews and round up people, and I can't do any of the stuff I want to do. Shoot every tenth guy to send a message, and it's the only way to be safe." <laughs> Quark. He, he rattles off this whole list of stuff he wants to do, and it's just like progressively like more totalitarian. It's like, Jesus wow, Christ, really? Odo? This is this is Odo, huh? All right. He might also be mad this week, though. I, a little bit. I, I get the feeling that this has been sort of bubbling under the surface for a while. Well, that's when then Cisco storms out of his office. I want a complete review of all the security measures. Gladly. Yep. <sighs> Finally. So that's good. Um, anything else? Uh, no. Very well. Matt, you got a quote? I do have a quote. It's from the very beginning. First appearance of... Uh, one of the better DS9 uh, uh, running gags. Feel like getting together for dinner tonight? Can't. I'm having dinner with Captain Baudet. The Galamite? You're going out on a date with him? Is something wrong with that? No. Not at all. He happens to be brilliant. His brain is twice the size of yours and mine. I know. I've seen it. It's not his fault. Galamites have transparent skulls. I enjoy that, and I feel like it's a thing that if we actually saw, it wouldn't be cool at all. Yeah. It's one of those things that's much better just sort of heard than than seen. Yeah. Which I like. And, I, again, though, I wish everyone wasn't just kind of cool with Dax at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, they should still be kind of mad at her, but, eh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, I mean, we never see... I don't remember if we see Cisco with Dax, but you know Kira's going to be fine with forgiving murder. Well, I suppose that's true. Also, Kira, again, raging racist. Oh, oh yeah. Just, uh, just criticizing the, the people that Dax dates. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you go out and date with Ferengi. It's like, and then yeah. later, um, she's like, you can't trust Cardassians. Yeah. All no, right, and the Federation's it. naive. Well, she's right about that. She is, but it's not very nice to say it. I always felt <laughs> like that was almost sort of meta-commentary, like sort of talking about the way Gene wanted things to be. Mm. You got characters like Kira saying that sort of like mocking. She's saying what we're all thinking. Right. <laughs> because she kind of is. Yeah. A lot of the stuff yeah. we complained about in early next gen is like, you can't tell stories like this. How can you have guys who are all just doing the right thing mm-hmm. and there's no conflict at all? And, uh, you know. We're just the best people. Yep. No, some of no. you are terrible. Like, yeah. like Cisco's friend. He's, he's a bad guy now. Mm hmm. And I guess we'll find out more about that next week. Mm. We sure so will. So tune in next time for, for the Maquis Part 2. Yep. Then Al gets time. to fucking do it. 
Oh, I don't know. Amanda's joining us. She might do that one. No, oh, she'll, shit. She'll probably do the other one. Yeah. The great one. The one we well, yeah, The other one's a good one. So. Yeah. The important <laughs> thing is, I don't have to do it. <laughs> that is the important thing. <sighs> for you. All right. Well, uh, as, as we've mentioned, uh, our appearance at Emerald City is coming up uh, March 28th, I believe. The last weekend of March, we will be in, in Seattle at the Emerald City Comic Con. We will indeed. Come see us. We're giving away free stuff. We're selling our new episode guide. It should be a good Ooh, time. We're great people who you'll want to talk to. Going to have a good time tonight. Matt gives good, good hugs. Tonight. Yeah. Yes, he does. Especially if they're by surprise. Yeah. Just run up to him. Ask Matt for hugs. He loves that. Uh-huh. Particularly if you're like a, a, a creepy dude. Yeah, that's my favorite. The hairier the better. That's what Matt says. Yep. That's on his family crest, I think. Sometimes our chest <laughs> hair gets entangled. <laughs> it's bliss. It's like Velcro. <laughs> also, we're we're not quite to the end of, of season two yet, but we're getting there. And yeah. uh, that means a supplemental episode's coming up. So if you have any questions for us or any anything you'd like to, to comment on or whatever... Uh, the, the show's email is postatomichorror at gmail. Uh, we do spend an entire episode between seasons answering your mail and, and mm -hmm. discussing things, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So with that, Flonk, thank you. And Matt, say your thing. I'm still Paul Rudd. You're not Paul Rudd. <laughs> and uh, see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.